0: <clears throat> want to thank Wesley for spending his summer with us. I asked him if he'd get all dressed up, and he agreed. <laughs> You're holding a <the> standard, Wesley. <laughs> so, it's been good to have you. On the drums, my wife says she will miss you. <laughs> so, we're in John chapter 13... And uh, we'll go through a familiar passage here. But in the last eight verses of chapter 12, we have Jesus shouting. His last public teaching there in the temple, Jesus is crying out to the people. And it was unusual for Jesus to teach in this manner. Uh, He didn't normally shout or lift his voice, and it was customary for the teacher of that day to sit and everybody else would stand. And so we have Jesus shouting out and perhaps even standing. But there's an urgency in Jesus's last public teaching. He must be heard. And he doesn't care if he's breaking the norms of that society. He must declare who he is, and how God the Father has sent him. Jesus issued a challenge to his listeners. Believe in me for salvation, because I am from, have been sent by God my Father, to offer salvation to whosoever believes. Aren't you glad of that? It branches out from the Jewish community into whosoever's, and we're, we're grateful of that. The single truth that salvation is only through Jesus, well, that offended many of the Jewish rulers. That truth still offends today. Many people will talk about God, and there's no offense out there. For many of different religions, God is kind of generic. It's kind of who you want God to be. Whomever you choose to exalt, be it Allah, be it Jehovah, or some other figurehead that you make into God. But when you declare Jesus, and when you declare him as God, Many people become offended. And many of the Jewish believers believe secretly in Jesus. For to confess Jesus, the ruling chief priest and so forth, have made it known that you will be excommunicated if you confess a belief in Jesus now, to be excommunicated carried a heavy price tag with it. You were excommunicated from worship in the temple, and you were really shunned, therefore, in any Jewish business dealings. They would not do business with someone who had been excommunicated. Even today, in, more <clears throat> in many of your orthodox Jewish Orthodox believers, families, if your child converts to Christianity, the parents, many of these parents, will hold a funeral service. And they will no longer associate with this family member who has converted to Christianity. They alienate that child. And many Orthodox Jews would rather have Relatives become atheistic than convert to Christianity. And many Jewish believers, uh, they, they're not really believers in the Jewish religion, but they're believers in their heritage. Being Jews only in race, not in belief. And when we hear the Judeo Christian heritage, and when we hear that being propagated or being spoken of in an ecumenical way, this is foreign to many Jews. There is a high percentage of Jews that are purely secular in their belief. Many of the Jewish laws in Israel prevail. Because they want to honor their heritage. Orthodox thinking is simply a ritual to many Jews. And we have Jesus here in his final hours before the cross. And he has this urgency to be understood by the people. And his disciples, he wants them to understand as to who he is. But Jesus will now change focus and he will now dedicate his last hours to his disciples, his chosen 12, and his public teaching is finished. It's over with. It's done. So let's look at John thirteen one through 11. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. What a interesting thing that our Lord takes upon himself. We have there in verse one where Jesus says, "His hour has come." We had Jesus before this saying several times, "My hour has not yet come." but now Jesus is admitting it is his final hour in his mission." For here, life here on earth is almost over. In roughly 24 hours, Jesus will suffer the cross. In John, in his gospel, he tells us Jesus loved his own right up to the very end. Jesus has loved and will serve and teach them right up until the cross. Jesus is on a mission. Jesus has chose this 12 uh, disciples, but Jesus has chosen you and I. You were chosen by God himself, and Jesus will give himself to the disciples and will shortly purchase on the cross for all believers, including you and I. Salvation. Salvation came at a price, and Jesus paid it. All believers who have yielded their life over to Jesus, you will not ever be disappointed in that. There is no disappointment in salvation. Jesus loves all believers. He loved his disciples, and he loved them, Right to the end. As a believer, you cannot depart from the love of God. It is eternal. Jesus loving us until the end declares, there is no limit on my love. We love conditionally. I love you if you love me in return. That kind of love. But Jesus loves us while we were yet sinners. and that never changes. He doesn't love us more if we are obedient. His love is complete towards us. There's no limit on his love. Then in verse two, we find that after the or during, after or during the supper, We find that Satan has already been at work in Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. Luke tells us in his gospel about this foot washing that the disciples, they've been arguing. They've been debating and their debate centers around this. Which one of them is the greatest in God's kingdom? Judas, he is not content that Jesus should suffer the cross. Judas wants a conquering Messiah. He's fallen into that trap of, what can Jesus do for me now? Can he free me from this Roman oppression and so forth? Judas is very disappointed in the behavior of Jesus. But Judas isn't the only one that's guilty of this. Many people try to push Jesus into their own image. Make Jesus into something that he isn't. Into some icon. Make Jesus into something that is contrary to his true character. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've been around some of those that... Uh, speak of Jesus and if Jesus were on earth today and I've heard uh, bikers say if Jesus were around today he would ride a Harley or he would hang out in the honky tonks really? I say to you check your image of God verse 3 Jesus has full knowledge of why the Father has sent him here to earth. And he will not shy away from his destiny with the cross. He is determined to glorify his Father by being obedient to the cross. The disciples who have been arguing about who is the greatest... But Jesus now will demonstrate the greatest thing that we can offer to him, and that's to be a servant. Jesus takes on the duty of the lowest servant in a household. And that lowest servant had the responsibility of washing dirty feet. And Jesus will now do that. John, he writes and he gives us details about Jesus and how he approaches this washing of the disciples' feet. Jesus rose from supper. He takes time out right in the middle of a meal, lays aside his garment, takes a towel, girds himself with the towel, pours water into a basin, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Then he wipes their feet dry with the towel that he is girded with. Now, Jesus takes time to wash the disciples' feet, knowing what is about a day away, the cross and the suffering of the cross. Our Lord was a servant. I believe any of the disciples would have washed Jesus' feet in a minute. I believe they would have gladly washed their Lord's feet. But note, they will not dare wash one another's feet. That would imply, if I wash your feet, that you're greater than I am. And they've been arguing about who is the greatest. But then we have Jesus coming to Simon Peter. And he's been working himself around this reclining table of disciples. And by the way, the disciples' feet are dirty. That's why a foot washing was a very common thing to do. You invited a guest into your home. You had your servant wash their feet. But Peter, he objects good old Peter, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus says to him, Simon, you don't understand now, but you will later. And Peter firmly states, you shall never wash my feet. And we can understand Peter objecting to this. The other disciples, they may be puzzled by Jesus washing their feet, but Only Peter speaks up. He can't be silent. But Peter, you notice Peter falls short of offering to wash Jesus' feet. He doesn't offer to do that. And he's not about to wash the other disciples' feet. Jesus declares to Peter, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. This changes Peter's tune. If that's the case, wash all of me. No need of a full bath, Peter. Peter, you are clean because I washed you. Then he says, but not all of you. And he's indicating Judas. And then Peter says, well, don't wash me. But then he says, do wash me. Wash all of me. Think of this. Peter has took on the responsibility through pride to tell Jesus how to serve. Don't wash me, wash me. He's telling them how to be God. What a very prideful statement by Peter. Telling Jesus how to serve and telling Jesus how he ought to behave. Do it this way, Jesus. Peter isn't the only one that's ever tried to tell Jesus how to behave. Have you ever caught yourself in prayer being a lot like Peter and telling Jesus how to answer your prayer? Hmm. I have. (laughs) And now, Lord, if you would do it this way, that would work out so good and everything would go good. And if you just listen to me, Lord, and do it my way, what a great testimony that would be. I can be a lot like Peter. Have you ever asked the Lord for some item you want to purchase this new whatever? And you tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to submit to you on this. And if you will open up a parking place right in front of that building where I'm to buy this item, then I'll know it's you telling me to go ahead and buy this item. And then you circle the building till the parking place opens up. We can do those kind of things. Peter needed to be made clean. He needed his feet to be washed. But Peter's like many of us. He doesn't see his need to be washed. He objects to it. Everyday life that we live, some mornings we get up and we're on top of the world and we head out and we're We're doing just hunky-dory with the Lord. And we have virtue just go right out of us as we begin to drive our way to work. We can be driving and there can be an edge that comes up in our Christian life. And we can begin to say or act in a non-Christian way about drivers around us. Now, I'm speaking purely hypothetical. I would never do that. (laughs) Peter is the only disciple to speak up about his concerns of Jesus cleansing him. And we, too, can be ignorant of our need to be cleansed. And how are we cleansed? Repentance. Repentance. And repentance is a good thing. We are allowed to repent. Allow yourself to be washed by Jesus. He tells us, though your sins be as scarlet, my forgiveness will make them white as snow. But let's get down to practicality here. There are times when it enters into each and every one of our lives that we need assistance. We need a little help. And someone can come alongside of us and help us. I have a tendency to try and do it all on my own way too often. Instead of receiving help, I will struggle through a task not asking for any help or assistance. That assistance can often be God's answer or God's way of helping us. It can be God sent. We are to help one another. I try to appreciate that there is someone willing to help me and try to accept it as help. And here we have Jesus, the last hours before the cross, and what does he concern himself with? The disciples' dirty feet. Just his care there, his love for them is amazing. He desires to clean his disciples' feet. Serve them by washing their feet. We have a loving, gracious Savior. And he desires to clean us up. Set us on a path of righteousness. Allow Jesus to be Jesus in your life. Allow him to cleanse you. Our pride can cause us to shy away from repentance, shy away from being cleansed by Jesus. But who are the ones that benefit when we're cleaned up and when we're forgiven? We benefit from that. We benefit from the washing of our Lord. Jesus will, I'm getting ahead of myself into next week's sermon, but Jesus will tell his disciples do you know what I have done for you? He doesn't say, you're happy if you understand this. He doesn't say that to him. What does Jesus say? Happy are you if you do this. The old Nike slogan or just do it. That's what Jesus is saying about serving. Just do it. Don't Just try to think it through rationally. Serve one another, and you will be happy. What a recipe for a joyous life. So, let me get you to stand, and we'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you that Jesus was so loving, so giving such a servant. Here he is, God in the flesh on earth, serving mankind. That alone kind of makes us wonder, Lord. But then you tell us, if we want to be happy, if we want to have joy in this life, serve one another. So, Lord, we ask you to enlighten us, to show us ways of how to serve. How to be that that one that comes alongside and just be in the flesh like you were, Jesus, a servant. And as servants, Lord, we earn the right to speak into lives because we have served like you. Thank you, Lord, for being such a good example. My goodness. Right before your death, right before the cross, You wash dirty feet. What a gracious and loving God you are. So, Lord, help us to take on the attitude of being a servant. And, Lord, demonstrate for us. Give us ways to serve one another and to be like you, Jesus. That is our prayer. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.